104 presents This Week in North Florida Lacrosse. Brought to you by First Coast Crush Lacrosse, Cantina Louie, Derek Prince Realtor, and M Shack on 1010XL. Now here's your host, Ray Carnicelli. Carnicelli, joined by my co-host, Chris Milo. Chris, how are you doing today? I am doing amazing today after yesterday. Me and my son, Dante, were at the game. He was fired up. I saw him. You peeked in the booth. Yep. He was jumping around at the end of that game. It was unbelievable. And the game that Chris is referring to is big game Sunday today, but yesterday was the big game. Jacksonville 13, Duke 12. And we want to welcome onto the air our first guest, the head coach of the JU Dolphins, John Galloway. Coach Galloway, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for taking time out. I know you're busy. Uh, in the in the pregame meeting where we got a chance to chat with you, you had mentioned on the show last week as well that you felt better about your team after this year's Johns Hopkins loss than last year's Johns Hopkins loss. And, you know, a cynic might say it was it was coach speak, but – you, you know, you you proved it that this team is high quality. When a lot of doubters, myself included, thought it would take a little longer. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. I I, uh, I think I take take great pride in trying to avoid coach speak and and, and being really transparent. And um, you know, I think last year, if you watched the film, it was a multitude of turnovers, and a lack of organization on both sides of the ball. Uh, last week, I actually thought we had a a lot of pieces in place. I just thought Hopkins was pretty darn good. And I think they actually proved my point again yesterday by going out and beating Georgetown. So uh, we are nowhere near where we need to be. We made, you know, ample amount of mistakes yesterday. Uh, You know, we need to do a better job learning how to slide and recover and and learning how to close games. But uh, I think we're better today than we were last Sunday. And that'll be the same goal going into this week. Your, your midfield, Everyone likes to talk about the the attack and those you know four players, uh, prominent players you have at attack. But your midfield was dominant. They initiated the offense from in front of the goal, behind the goal, racing up and down the field. Talk to me about the freshman Taylor and the transfer Brandon Galloway and Reed Smith and just all all six. And you and then you even look like you played uh, part of a third midfield line as well with uh, Hardy and Angel. And just give me some flavor on the midfield units. Yeah, yeah, we felt like we wanted to uh, go go a little bit deeper into our bench this week, and you know we had slated for nine guys to play. Brendan McKenna was in one of the runs in the last part of the game, and uh, we just felt like we knew that that was um, that was an area that we we had to take advantage of. You know, obviously Duke's defense is big; they're strong. Um, we're not really known for initiating right now at our attack, so they had to take some pressure off of our guys, and I thought they did a hell of a job of that. And um, you know, credit to, to to those freshmen, Gavin Angel and Jack Taylor. They took a lot of the burden of, of initiating the offense for us, and Brandon's been fantastic two weeks in a row now. But you know those two guys coming in in that moment uh, against a team like Duke and being able to make some really really big plays um, felt like it just took some of the pressure off some of our, our our other guys, specifically at the attack. Right around halftime, there was a minute and two left when Jack Taylor scored, and then ten seconds off the opening faceoff of the second half. Being able to cut into that that Duke lead within a you know even though there was a halftime break, 
ending it and starting it like you did just led to an outstanding, amazing third quarter. And you had talked about the early parts of possession and the late parts of possession, and we saw that a lot yesterday. Yeah, yeah, we felt like, you know, the when the ball is in our stick, we have the opportunity to make a play, and they don't. And we needed to take more advantage of that time. And I thought our young guys, again, Gavin and Reed and Jack Taylor, did a great job of understanding that we didn't need to take a shot right away. And, um, you know, they grinded out possessions. And some of those didn't result in goals, but that means that's another 80 seconds where we didn't have to play defense. And uh, we were a little bit, you know, uh, banged up down there and, and, and short of hand. And we needed to make sure that those guys were able to catch their breath and gave us just enough juice at the end of the game to find a way. The second half performance, that third quarter performance by goalie Luke Milliken was amazing. Not only did he make saves, he was getting the ball out of his stick very quickly. There's a lot of fast breaks. It seemed like the middies were breaking before the shot, which as a goalie, you you love that. They have confidence you're going to save it. When I talked to him after the game, and we're going to play some of that sound, he had mentioned that the, the team maybe didn't have an identity. The unit, I should say, the defense was still finding itself, and he felt like they found an identity uh, between the Hopkins game and the Duke game. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think we, you know, we realized that while we have some really good individuals, we needed to we needed to play together, and uh, we challenged that that rope unit to come together a little bit more. We challenged our close defense to bridge the gap between them and our rope unit, and um, you know, we 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 demanded some relationship building. The guys took it upon themselves this week to spend some time away from the facility together, and uh, you felt a little bit of chemistry growing, especially as that game went on. And obviously, it didn't hurt that um, you know Luke made some incredible saves. In, in the midst of the third quarter that, that kept Duke at bay and allowed us to make a run. The the close unit, they had their work cut out for them yesterday. You had mentioned that you thought that the trio at attack for Duke was the top, tops in the country. And, you know, coming off a 20-goal performance against Bellarmine, 19-goal performance against High Point. And, yeah, they got their goals. But Smith, Heed, and Hedinger played outstanding. It was it was a thing of beauty to watch that close defense and the support that they got from the midfield unit. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I would I would credit Troy Hedinger for um, taking on a lot yesterday. You know, he, we asked him to cover McAdory, who we thought was playing at a really high level, and then switched him over to to O'Neal when he was getting hot, and he closed them down for for majority of the game. I believe he gave up one, and it was actually off of a a pick. And um, you know, Troy just made so many invisible plays yesterday that you, you may not see on the stat sheet, and. Davis Smith, I thought, did a hell of a job covering off ball against a kid who, you know, scored seven goals just five days ago. And and I got to give credit to a, a young man in Mason Maxim. Mason Maxim is a walk-on for us. He's a nursing student here. Uh, one of our best on-ball defenders came in to spell our guys and give them a breath and did so admirably. I mean, for him to come in and cover Brendan O'Neill, uh, his first game experience, I mean, what a cool moment for our team to see Matt Mason have success there as well. So it was a, it was a combined effort, but it was certainly led by – by Troy uh, on that unit. Some of the intangible things that I I think are pointing up for Jacksonville, obviously coming off of the, the beach party, yesterday's whiteout, the alumni that are coming to the games and that are fired up and engaged, it, it keeps growing. That sideline with the Adirondack chairs is out of control. The crowd was great. Uh, the, talk to me about the environment and does it lift your team? It, it does. I mean, it's just such a special place to play for us. And and because our alumni, so many of them stay here and live here and, and continue to support despite the outcome last week. And now you're starting to see the students come out, which is a new wrinkle in, in this, this past season. And, you know, Danielle's done a hell of a job of building an atmosphere where you, know, you can come and really have a good time. Our parents have a good time. I think our opponents have a good time. 
it, it's a place where you, you want to be. And um, if we can continue to grow that, that's part of our charge here is, is to make lacrosse an exciting, fun part of North Florida. And I think the last two weeks have done that. And we have another really, really cool opportunity to do that again this upcoming Saturday. The other intangible that I wanted to mention that you know we as spectators don't see is the scout team, and and you called out some members of the scout team. I like you to do that again today because I I know that that victory wouldn't have been possible. It's not just the ten guys on the field at any given moment. Yeah, I, I have to give credit to I, we. It's our white team, it's our our scout team, and and those guys kicked our ass this week. I mean, defensively we couldn't get stops. Dan May and Curtis Goddard you know, played the role of Dyson Williams and, and, and Brendan O'Neill, and they kicked our butts. And offen- um, defensively for, for the, the white squad, Max Silva, Ryan Della Rocco was player of the day twice throughout those weeks of practice. Um, he, I mean, Dylan Watson could not score on Brian Della Rocco this week. Uh, Ryan made every shot count for our guys. So, you know, you look back and you say, well, where did we have this success? You have to give so much credit to, Brayden Harrison, Ryan Delarocco, Max Silva, Quentin Pellegrino, Dan May, Curtis Goddard. I mean, those guys made this thing go uh, yesterday, or excuse me, um, Friday or Thursday, which was our last live practice. We do shout outs at the end of every practice, and, and every, anybody can get shout out. And every single guy that got shout out was a white team player. And they, I mean, they took it to us all week long. And, uh, you know, that, that, I, that usually does translate on game day. If the white team is kicking our butt and preparing us, usually we're better off for it on Saturday. And I'm just really happy that those guys saw the fruits of their labor as well. One of the questions I get asked is how's Max Waldbaum doing and, and your other injuries, any updates? Yeah, we're getting closer. You know, we're getting closer. We're obviously, we're missing some, some important pieces right now. Um, you know, as soon as the sooner we can get guys like Evo Pio and Tommy Heed and obviously Max Waldbaum and Gordon Ogden, all guys that were playing a lot of minutes for us, you know, the sooner we get them back, the deeper we're going to be, but, uh, as I mentioned yesterday, this adversity has also forced us to create depth. And you know, Nikki Brown has stepped up and made some big plays. And our, and our freshman that we already mentioned, and you know, Aaron Toguri and Connor McDonald and Mason Maxim. I mean, these are guys that might have not been slated to get early playing time, and now all of a sudden they're huge parts of what we're doing. So uh, sometimes there's a you know there's a silver lining with injury, and you know for us it's been the depth that's been able to uh, you know come from it. Marist is. Uh an opponent you've played those guys a few times over the years what are you expecting in terms of uh, the preparation and keeping the intensity up uh, to string together a couple of wins yeah I've actually never played Marist as a coach I know they used to uh, before I got here especially when they were in the back and um, you know they have two Tawartan finalists on their attack I mean that's I think that's enough for us to lose some sleep this week and in the kid Emberry and Jojo Pereca and uh, they're a team that is incredibly competitive they they are scrappy. <laughs> they don't. They they they're not afraid to let you know about it. Um, I have I've kind of circled this one on my calendar, knowing it was going to be a dog fight. And um, you know, we are going to you know we're show the guys the film today, and they're in the weight room right now. But you know, fix some of the mistakes we made, uh, especially on the defensive end this afternoon, and then we're going to get to work against a, a really talented team that uh, you know was tops of the MAC and has two guys that are potential All Americans and. Uh, we will we will go back to work hard tomorrow, knowing that this is going to be a battle on Saturday. Coach, I was at the 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 home Denver win, that first win in program history, and and a lot of amazing wins over the years. But the intensity level of your team yesterday, I had that same feeling as I had the the first victory in program history. And I want to thank you for taking time out today, and thank you and the guys for uh, such an entertaining. 
uh, brand of lacrosse. It's it's so much fun, and if anyone hasn't been to a game yet, they they better be out there Saturday for Marist. I appreciate it, Ryan. Thanks for uh, thanks for sticking by us, and uh, yeah, that's a Duke team that we'll probably see you know in late May. So I think that 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 taught us a lot of a lot of lessons, and we're going to be better because of it, and uh, we're going to keep growing. So I appreciate you guys having me on. That was Coach John Galloway of the JU Dolphins coming off their big win against number eight ranked Duke yesterday. We're going to talk more JU lacrosse, flag lacrosse, NCAA lacrosse, but right now we're going to take a break. You're listening to This Week in Lax 904 on 1010XL. Keep your head on a swivel. It's This Week in North Florida lacrosse with Ray Carnicelli on 1010XL. You need Welcome back to This Week in Lax 904. I put Christopher in charge of the Valentine's music, and he went Led Zeppelin, whole lot of love. Excellent choice. Thank you. I hope the uh, the listeners enjoy it, too. You're such a romantic. <laughs> I don't know about that. I want to thank our sponsors, M-Shack. Once again, what what did you say? Your, what's your favorite uh, item there? So I get the Sunrise Burger and Truffle Parm Fries. Nice. First Coast Crush Lacrosse. We're going to have that that crew on. We're trying to get some uh, high school coaches in today, but scheduling didn't allow it, and we've got a lot to talk about. There will be plenty of time to talk to the high school coaches. Uh, I saw Coach Alford down at the Flagler game, been in communication with Coach Max Venarsdale and Coach Glenn Carter today. Uh, there's, there's a lot coming down the pike on the high school scene. Uh, Cantina Louie. Uh, you and I, when we were over uh, at the Nice games, that's our stop over by Nice. Oh, because it's, right, it's basically right around the corner, so it's a and lot it's of fun. And it's amazing. Yeah, it, the, the food is fantastic. And Derek Prince Realtor. Contact Derek. Great guy. Maybe golfing with Derek tomorrow or maybe not. Uh, I'm not sure if he's able to make it or not, but we've got a charity event. And love spending time with Derek. And if you have any real estate needs, reach out to Derek Prince Realtor. And we Coach, got what we got one more. This, is there another sponsor? So we have, there is. Uh, you know, you had your uh, email that went out the other day. The friends of Lax Nine Hundred Four. You put a nice little video on there, uh, thanking everybody, donating some money. But you got a new sponsor. Uh, Airstream Ventures and Vita Delui present the Hoodoo Gurus live at the River City Railway on Friday, April twenty eighth, with gates opening at six p.m. Tickets are now on sale for this epic band, and it will sell out this venue. There are many different options for tickets, so buy them at 904ticks.com. From What's My Scene to Bittersweet to In the Wild, their hits have transcended decades, and you will now get to see them live and in person. Hoodoo Gurus Live at the River City Railway on April 28th. Buy your tickets now at 904ticks and enjoy a great evening of music and we may have one of their songs as we end the show today, so stay tuned. You know, back to the Friends of Lax 904, it's anyone who helps me uh, facilitate these my endeavors, the broadcast, the newsletter. Um, so I, I did put some bonus content out there. I think it was Thursday, and we'll continue to do that. But if you don't get my newsletter, go to Twitter at Lax 904, and in the pinned tweet is the link to sign up for the newsletter. And once again, thanks to all the people who contributed to support our efforts, the Friends of Lax 904. Coach Galloway, um, I don't. when I was referring to the cynics, I was talking about myself, 
mainly. But we get so used to being sports fans and hearing coaches just say the same things over and over again. So when he said that he felt better about this year's team after the Hopkins loss, a five-goal loss, uh, than last year's closer loss on an away field, I I didn't believe him. I, not because I thought he was lying. I thought he was just doing what most coaches do. But I have learned, and he emphasized it today, that he's transparent. He's been transparent the whole time he's been here. Mm-hmm. Um, when he says he feels good about something, he does. When he says that they have concerns, you know, it's it's not – you know, used to Bobby Bowden, the football fans down here. Remember, he used to always poor mouth his team, and then they were amazing. Coach Galloway doesn't do that. Yeah, no, I felt the same way. I uh, coming into Hopkins, I felt really good about the team with the addition of Dylan Watson and uh, Brandon Galloway, and then it was kind of a little bit of a letdown in that third quarter. And to be honest with you, going into the Duke game, I, yeah, I wasn't sure one of the better teams in the country, best attack in the country, and then all of a sudden that second quarter hits and Brennan O'Neill goes on that three goal run they give up five goals in a row and I'm like oh no here we go again it's it's the third quarter from the Johns Hopkins game all again all over again and is Jacksonville going to be able to climb out of this hole and they weren't able to do it against Hopkins but they were able to do it against Duke so that was extremely refreshing and it just turned out to be a great game you know, I, I've been raving about Jacksonville's coaching staff and it's not just because they're good guys they they are very impressive, and you, you think about losing a guy like Max Waldbaum, bringing in a new guy like Dylan Watson. So in the fall and throughout the spring practices, the focus has been trying to get the offense with those four superstars, you know, with only one lacrosse ball. And then Waldbaum goes down, so there's a major adjustment. And then they completely changed the way that I saw the you know, initiating the offense, you know, midi dominated. Never would have guessed that because I didn't know any of those second-line middies. Obviously, Mm -hmm. you know Reed Smith, but, you know, yesterday you had mentioned it, a lot of invert, two middies behind, pulling those defenders away from the cage, the long pole, close defenders away from the cage, and winning the Mm matchups. Well, and that was one of the things that on the the ride over to the studio was um, I asked you who your player of the game was, and you said there was three. And I, and I agree with that. There was three, but there was really one person that stuck out to me was Jack Taylor. He's a freshman. Uh, came up huge in a big game. Obviously, Galloway got his – Brendan Galloway, obviously not Coach Galloway, but Brendan Galloway got his three goals uh, in the beginning of the game, and they started putting the long stick midi on him and not really shutting him down, but kind of you know pushing everybody else on the uh, Jacksonville offense to do something. And Jack Taylor, uh, as a freshman, three goals, hat trick, in a huge game against Duke. So uh, for me, that was uh, the player of the game. And he was he's on the second line midi, and I think he did a great job in the two-man game on the short stick uh, defensive middies uh, working with Reed Smith behind the cage. And Brandon Galloway scored his three goals in the first quarter. Yeah. Yeah, so he set the tempo, and Jacksonville came out of that first quarter with a 4-2 to two lead. And the confidence that that builds is immeasurable. Uh, two saves each for the Duke goalie and for Luke Milliken. So, you know, there were some shots on goals, on, on goal, but the other two, so Jack Taylor, player of the game, mm-hmm. Brendan Galloway, player of the game, mm-hmm. and Luke Milliken, you know, we mentioned it to coach, that performance in the third quarter was amazing. I, I want to go back and watch it because when, you know, I was calling the game, it, you don't get to appreciate it, I don't think, because I'm following the ball upfield and 
trying to see if anyone's cutting off ball, and so your eyes aren't always watching it like a fan. And to watch him catch the ball and get it out of his stick, it didn't give Duke a chance to set up the ride. And listen, the second quarter, 7-1 to one in Duke's favor. So you go into halftime trailing by four goals, and then you know coming out of the second half and that faceoff win by Nathan Cap and that goal, that place was electric. Yeah, and and one of the ones that I, I, I kind of want to highlight, and I can't remember the Duke player's name. I have to go back and hopefully watch it. I know there were some issues with the broadcast, and I, I know you're going to talk about that in a minute. But um, Luke Milliken made a save one-on-one with a Duke player right in front of the cage, and I, and I think that kind of was a, a huge spark that really lit everybody. And like you said, um, I wanted to give some credit to the short stick demons. I know last week they struggled a little bit. But this week they played a huge game on those saves that uh, Luke Milliken was making. Tucker Garrity, um, Zach Deacon, they were breaking out, and and Luke Milliken was just throwing dimes to them. And Tucker Denault was in there uh, at short stick defensive midi. Um, in, in box lacrosse, they call it transition players. Mm-hmm. And, and they did they did a great job. And, and one of the other ones, Zach Deacon, one-handed wraparound check, took the ball away from Brennan O'Neill and kind of got in his face a little bit and the crowd just went wild so I think a lot of stuff like that just really helped everybody to kind of calm down we're in this we did can his do helmet this. fall off again his helmet did, did he fall. fix his hair again yes and cool yeah. smooth so he needs to learn Canadian he needs to move. learn how to how strap his helmet up a little bit better because that's two games in a row well well I will tell you that that was one of the best games I've ever seen him play and that's saying a lot because he is a great lacrosse player mm-hmm Absolutely. Like I said, I, I think he just did uh, coming off of the loss and, and a lot of people saying, well, the short stick D middies against Hopkins didn't do their job and then to turn around and play Duke, uh, such a great team to really just kind of put that out of their head and then step up and play against Duke at such a high level was, I think, great for the for the rope unit. You know, one of the things that Coach Galloway mentioned was uh, getting some extra players in nine, 10 middies uh, playing offense in that game. And, you know, at the end of the game, I, I, when I saw Brendan McKenna come in, I was like, wow. And it wasn't because I don't think Brendan McKenna is, is capable. It's because it's a one-goal game against the number eight team in the country, and you've got confidence to bring a guy in and give him the ball to go dodge who hasn't been in the game all day. And that's why I can't coach. Like, I am not a coach. I, I, I would be too afraid to do that. You got to trust in your players, and like Coach Galloway said, the the practices all week have been really good. And there's, you know, the only way to get experience a lot of times is to, is to put the go, those guys on the field, and hopefully whatever they do in practice translates over to the game. And you just got to trust in your guys. Hopkins, the score was a, a twelve to seven the loss, thirteen to twelve win over Duke. I have a feeling that Marist is in for a long day and a long trip uh, when they come in here next next Sunday or excuse me next Saturday at noon. Yeah, and and uh, and also to the to the the people online, Carcaterra uh, last week said people online are they get a little mouthy sometimes. Everybody's saying that Jacksonville isn't that good, and this is what Duke does, you know, in February because they have a history of losing. This this Jacksonville team is really really good. And that Duke team is not the Duke of the past where they get a slow start. Like you said, they had two games before this where they scored, what, 20 goals? Almost 20 goals? 20 and 19. 20 goals in 19 games in in two games. I mean, that's pretty impressive. So 
I, I think people online need to start giving this Jacksonville Dolphins team some credit. Okay, good thing Coach Galloway's busy and he's not listening right now, but Marist, High Point, UMass Lowell, St. John's are the next four games. They're going to be favored in, in all of those games. And High Point's a good team. They got beat down by Duke, but uh, they're going to they're gonna bounce back. That game's in Charlotte on the 4th. So that's the remainder, remaining games in the out-of-conference schedule. So it's Marist, High Point, UMass Lowell, St. John's. Mm-hmm. Boy, that would be a nice run, five straight wins before you get into conference play. Yeah, I think that that's a lot of confidence going in. Uh, and then I think they have their probably their toughest game uh, starting in the conference against Robert Morris. Yeah, and we're going to talk about the ASUN because week one, the ASUN uh, took a little bit of a beating. And yesterday they redeemed themselves with Robert Morris and Air Force, uh, both winning winning big games along with Jacksonville. When we come back, we're going to talk to Coach Brian Duncan of the Flagler Saints, an eight-goal win versus Palm Beach Atlantic. And we'll take your calls and texts, 904-641-1010. You're listening to This Week in Lax 904 on 1010XL. Now more of the fastest game on two feet with This Week in North Florida Lacrosse on 1010XL. Welcome back to This Week in LAX 904. Ray Carnicelli, Chris Milo, bringing you the lacrosse talk. We will take your texts and calls at 904-641-1010. So we left talking about the A-Sun, mm-hmm. and in week one there were some big disparities in, in goal scoring and losses for the A-Sun, but uh, they how got, they redeemed themselves yesterday. Yeah, so they got blown out in week one. Uh, I'm going to chalk that up to – some new players on the team, first game of the season. Uh, but we have Utah that beat Marquette 18 to 16. Air Force shocked Denver 12 to 10. A little uh, spoiler for Coach Tierney being his last season after how many years has he been coaching? Like 50? Uh, he was coaching at Princeton when I played them in 88 yeah, or 87. So I can't remember. Long time ago. And like I said, Robert Morris, I think, is going to be Jacksonville's toughest competition in the A Sun. Uh, <coughs> sorry, they beat uh, Bucknell twelve to nine. Okay, so yeah, Jacksonville is probably going to end up in the top fifteen this week. I would ex- expect because Hopkins is going to be in the top ten mm-hmm. now. So things change very quickly. Uh, let's switch it over to some Division Two talk. I had the pleasure of watching the Flagler Saints defeat Palm Beach Atlantic on Friday night under the lights in the monsoon by a score of 18 to 10 and I want to welcome on the head coach of the Flagler Saints, Brian Duncan. Coach Duncan. Ray, how you doing this morning? Have you dried out from uh from the game the other night? Yeah, we're we're there. We're good. We're good to go. We're ready for this week. Well, I got to tell you uh, you know, we talked to coach Galloway coming off of that big win and you know, you coaches do an amazing job of getting your your players to believe. Not all coaches good coaches, you and Coach Galloway, and you could see the belief in your team and your coaching staff convincing those kids to just keep fighting all the way to the last whistle. Yeah, these, these guys are resilient. Um, you know, we've been through a lot starting a program, right? It's, it's, it's hard to, to, to start from zero and try to catch up to some of these teams that have, you know, really good players and experience and just all the things that it takes to be a, a good program. And, 
you know, year two, we're, we're feeling a little more confident that we can go out and compete a little longer and, and, uh, and, and hopefully continue to get W's in, in on this, you know, this year. You had sent me a note on the number of players that scored goals and had uh, points in that game. And, it, you know, Tobias was on fire. He scored five goals. But the rest of the offense, it was pretty balanced. Yeah, it was uh, 17 guys got points. Um, on that night, I think we had four guys get their first goals ever in uh, in their college history or, or, or career, and um, you know we had 14 assisted goals out of 18. And I mean, I think that's a, as a, as an offensive guy. I mean, that's kind of what we're looking for. We're looking to get assisted goals because we know that those goals will sustain through the year. And you know, working as a team and working with six guys instead of just one guy carrying it. One of the things I loved going into the game, you you were. When you sent me some game notes, you had three solid lines of midi, and you and middies, and you were running fourth middies out there when the game was still contested. Talk to me about your depth. Uh, we, we're just we're comfortable with a lot of guys, and you know we, we always feel it's unfortunate that you know six or sometimes nine guys get most of the run. And during that game, I knew we had to get ready for number one Tampa. You know, coming up this Wednesday and. I, I didn't want to just keep running our guys over and over and over and, and you know, kind of looking forward a little bit. We we tried to use the guys that we had confidence in, and they kind of came out and did their thing, and a couple guys got some goals late in the game. It was it was just fun to watch, you know, it was fun to watch the young guys get a chance. The defending national champs, Tampa, it's a tall task traveling down midweek. What's your message to the team in, uh, in your short week of preparation? Oh, I think this week's about having fun and, uh, you know, not really thinking too much about it and trying to put our helmets on and put our equipment on and just go down there and compete with them the best we know how to and and see if we have a chance at the end of the game to, to, to pull a W or, you know, we learn something from the experience of playing a team that just is extremely deep and, and has lots of All-American candidates. And, you know, it's going to be a great contest and a great test for our guys to go down there and and do it at their place. Dunk, the environment that you've created, you and Coach King and the rest of the staff down there, it's it's amazing to me. From the uh, bagpipers you know, marching in uh, ahead of your team and the youth and the people lined up around the field, even in those horrible conditions, the crowd stayed and uh, it was a late start. Just talk to me about the environment and the culture down there as a community. You know, it's it's that's what I think I fell in love with the most was that this place is a community. It's a small town and it's not a big city. Um, it and it has a feel to it. And and when you do get out and get involved, you know, with the youth and and get out here and help coaches and help kids, then you know they want to come and and support what you're doing with with the older guys. And those those younger guys get attached to the to the players when they go out and help them at rec practices. And so that's kind of how we've done it. We've just kind of steadily organically tried to connect ourselves to the community and, and it's worked and now we're starting to see that support on Friday nights and on Wednesday nights and we're going to have a couple Saturday night games a couple Tuesday night games coming up so we're hoping that 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 environment continues to grow and and you know I think we had 700 at the at the Embry-Riddle game and I think we had close to 550 or 600 um, at this last game so yeah, even with conditions, we're, we're getting a crowd and they're supportive. And, you know, it's been fun. It's been fun building this, Ray. Well, Saturday night at 7 p.m., uh, 
Florida Tech comes. Uh, I expect another great environment, especially as the weather starts clearing up. It's going to be an amazing day of lacrosse. Marist will be up here at JU at, at noon, and then uh, Flagler versus Florida Tech. It's been fun calling your games, and I can't wait to get back down there. Oh, awesome, Ray, and we really appreciate you coming down and doing it. I mean, I think you're the best in the business here in North Florida, so thank you. All right, Dunk, have a great rest of your weekend, and we'll catch up soon. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Dunk. That was Coach Brian Duncan of the Flagler Saints, the one-in-one Flagler Saints. So, Chris, this is day three of me on the air babbling. My my voice is uh, still here for now, but um, that they, they play so fast. They play so many guys. Normally, like when I do a JU game, mm-hmm. and for Duke in particular, when I'm preparing – you know, maybe 18 to 20 guys, but there's there's probably 15 that I try to memorize. And um, yesterday was, was, wasn't was too bad. And then with JU's roster, I know most of them, so I don't have to look at my sheet very often. Every once in a while, they'll slip somebody in, like some of those LSMs that Coach mentioned. Um, but down there at Flagler, I want to do a good job, and I'm preparing, and Dunk's running 25 guys out there in, in the first half. Uh, but it, it it's a blast. It's It's... I really encourage any lacrosse fan to get out to one of those games. Just go to flaglerathletics.com and uh, look at their schedule. And these night games are nice. They've got some weeknight games as well, which I know is tough for some of you coaches. Um, But these night games, uh, Friday and Saturday nights coming up, I'm looking at their schedule right now. There's a good Mount Olive team coming down on a Tuesday night. St. Leo's, uh, where uh, Bistro... Guy Bistro plays. He's going to be there on March 11th on a Saturday night. So uh, we'll find some time to get you down there. Yeah, Ray, I I mean, I think you do a great job on the broadcast. And I definitely know this is not the most days in a row. I believe last year you did like five or six days in a row. Rivalry on the River Week. It was was a lot of lacrosse that you did. But, I mean, the the good thing, uh, the great thing I love about our, our two big college coaches around here, Coach Galloway and Coach Duncan, as you said before, is, is kind of the honesty when when Coach Duncan was talking about um, about Tampa. You know, it's one of the best teams, Division two teams in the country. And, um, you know, he, he was just kind of – he was honest about it and said, you know, we're going to go down there, we're going to put a great game. But um, one of the things that I noticed about the last Flagler game, um, you were, we were having some issue with the broadcast quality, and I mentioned it before, but <laughs> kind of talk to me about w- what's going on at JU – and at Flagler, because I know there were some some issues there too. Yeah, well, the Flagler, it's you know, it's a upstart program. So the people that are working the table and you know setting up the communications, they they don't know lacrosse. So that's a challenge, but they're overcoming it. Like like the teams, it's, it's all going to get better in a month. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Friday night it was a sideways rain monsoon, so there were some delays in setting some things up because it wasn't safe. Mm-hmm. They had tarps covering the uh, broadcast stand where they, they put me and a bunch of other people. Uh, so those were late to come down. And then, you know, do you want to be up there on the uh, erector set holding the camera in the monsoon? Um, so they, they're doing the best that they can. Um, and then, you know, I'm half blind, old. So any mistakes that I make, I'm, I'm blaming it on the thin lacrosse helmets in the 70s and 80s when I started playing. Uh, but it, it's fun. I love doing it. You know, I don't play as much anymore. Every once in a while, I'll go out and play. But when I'm broadcasting, I feel like I'm playing, like I'm in the game. I'm I'm w- watching the game like a goalie to try to see what's next and see where the mistake might anticipate mistakes. And, 
um, and I get to celebrate, and I don't come home all bruised, so I do love doing it. Mm-hmm. Now, at Jacksonville, it's it's rough. I, I'm just going to be frank with you. Coach Galloway and Coach Duncan are very honest. Um, I don't like when I see on the message boards people complaining about the broadcast, and they're not complaining about the broadcaster, but uh, the transmission quality of the video in the Hopkins game. I heard on a national podcast they they said they felt like they were watching it on an acid trip. So evidently there was some pixelation and some uh, buffering issues going on. So that's you know that's disappointing. You want to highlight your program, and Johns Hopkins is a national program, mm-hmm. so you want to put your best foot forward. I don't know why. I just uh, I'm a volunteer. I show up and try to do a good job with the play-by-play, and you know I know Coach Kerwick did and did get some good feedback on on the uh, play-by-play and commentary in that game and yesterday you know there's a lot of other sports at JU going on at the same time you've got the winter sports and the spring sports crossing over so there's uh you know resource issues when it comes comes to that and I I can't speak to the audio quality issues yesterday I haven't gone back to try to watch it it wasn't on ESPN plus it was on the JU webpage stream Um, but I know that the the gentleman who was doing the camera right next to me did a really good job. So I think with a single camera, mm-hmm. um, I, I coached him up a little bit beforehand and told him not to worry about panning and moving the camera too fast. Just if you have to keep it out a little bit, try to keep the goal in the frame whenever the ball's in that end. And he did a really good job. Um, probably the best you could get with a single camera. So kudos to him. And then the audio broadcast, Jim Applegate did a great job uh, on the color commentary, and you know, I was doing the play-by-play. We had a lot of fun doing it, so whether people got to hear us or hear us distorted, uh, I didn't I didn't know, so we were going full go, and uh, it was a lot of fun. And being able to call a game like that, uh, for me, it's kind of a dream come true. I always, You remember going to the Jaguar games when they first started? We They had that booth out front. I would always go and... Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget what company they let you go and call a Jacksonville Jaguar play. And I, I, every time when we walked in the stadium, I was in the line doing the play-by-play. So it, it's always been a dream, and it's fun to do. And then be, to be able to do Hopkins and Duke, and I'm going to throw Jacksonville in there now because uh, they're they're probably going to be, I'm going to guess, the polls are all a little different, but they're going to be around 15, 14 is my guess. Oh, I was going to say 16, but – yeah, talking about the broadcast, then you know, you and I come in here on the Sundays, and we try and you know, we're not professionals, but we try and be professionals. It's it's nice that to to go somewhere, especially when you're representing a school, lo- local hometown school, that you want to put your best foot forward. And sometimes it's a little frustrating when when stuff is off, or cameras are not working, or microphones are not not working properly, and you know, the people on the message boards or tweets or whatever. I've seen yeah, some people tweets. under your tweets and, yeah. they're blam- you know, they're blaming you for it. And it's like, I, you know, you just kind of show up and, and and you're just announcing the game. So it's not like you ha- it's not like you have any control over what goes on. Speaking of broadcasts, I'm excited to have announced our first two high school broadcasts coming up. Uh, the first one will be Pope, who was one of the top teams in Georgia, coming down to play bowls on February 23rd at 7 p.m. at the Bowl School. So that is going to be a good game, mm-hmm. a really good game with two high-quality teams. This Bowls team is stacked everywhere. Yeah, There's probably five or six or seven Division One players on that team and uh, even more uh, Division Two and Three players, so is, it's college-heavy. Sorry, I, I've been out of it a little bit, but is Garrett Joe back in goal for yes, Bowls? Yes, he is. Yes. Okay, yep. so I'm just a big, giant big. presence in the cage. And uh, – pretty nimble for a big guy yes and they've got goal scorers at 
Uh, Serfache is still there. The Boris are still there. Um, Both Boris, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, Caleb Camp, uh, Coleman. Caleb mm-hmm. Coleman's still there. Uh, why do I feel like we've been calling these names for so long? Well, because they've been playing since varsity <laughs> since eighth grade for some of these kids. Oh, that's crazy. Uh, th- so we'll, we'll preview that one as it gets a little bit closer. And then Creekside at Ponte Vedra uh, mm-hmm. in, in March. I mentioned in that uh, little bonus content I sent out, it's the 10-year anniversary of the Holy Applegate call. Matt Carey, uh, his infamous call when it was Ryan Applegate in goal, clearing it to uh, uh, who it was. No, Eric. Yeah, then it went, went Ryan to Eric to Scotty, to Scotty to Scotty finishing it and winning the district championship in overtime. And then we had the rivalry on the River game where the maestro Joe Terribaletti, uh took the game over uh, late time, tied it, and then won it. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, Mano Wilhelm Creekside win at Pontevedra to get that camel off the Creekside back. So who knows what this year is going to bring. Uh, but I'm excited for those three games. But high school lacrosse is underway. Yeah, so, well, tomorrow uh, it starts. We have on February 13th, Oak Hall uh, is traveling to Episcopal School of Jacksonville, playing at 5.30 p.m. on Valentine's Day. we got Fleming Island at Nice. At 7 p.m. Oh, so you can put on some Led Zeppelin and uh, go over and watch that game. Absolutely. Who was it again? Fleming Island at Nice. Take take your bride over there. Absolutely. Hopefully it's they got some romantic. food. At the, uh, hopefully they have some food at the concession you, no, stand. No, you go to Cantina Louie. Okay. Oh, yeah. The, I got the concession <laughs> stand joke. Okay. Not uh, fun. St. <laughs> Augustine uh, at Fletcher at 7 p.m. on February 15th. Ooh, and, that would be a fun game. Yep. I think that's going to be a great game. Rhino and Ott. Yeah. Uh, Maybe two they great should arm coaches. wrestle. Uh, February 16th, Nice at Pontevedra at 7 p.m. Okay. That's another game that I think is going to be a fun one to watch. February 18th. If you like goals. Yeah, February 18th, Saturday, I think is a big one. Bishop Moore is traveling up, coming from Orlando to play bowls at 10 a.m. And then Pontevedra is playing at Lake Mary at 7 p.m. Are you going to be there? Uh, I We're supposed to be playing a JV game, but I have not gotten any information, so I would assume we probably will be and there. And that's Saturday? That's Saturday. Okay. So you won't be at the JU Marist game. I will have to miss the JU Marist game. I'm going to put you on the spot. Well, maybe you can listen to my broadcast. Okay. And through the Hopefully it'll be high quality. As as I'm yelling at the kids on the field, well, I can you, listen to Are you to playing them. at noon? No. I, again, we, just, we don't have the times for the JV game. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Prediction for JU versus Marist. Do you want the the winner or the, uh, the goals? final score? Final score is going to be eighteen to five. Eighteen to five. Who who's who? Who's winning? Jacksonville University. I, yeah, I figured. I was Come just on. teasing you there. Eighteen to five. I like it. I like it. I don't know if uh, Maris is going to score five. No, just kidding. As Coach mentioned, they've got two Tawaritan watch list. That's a funny list. There's like a thousand kids on it. Oh, the beginning of the season, it's just they pretty much throw everyone on there who who has some potential on offense. But yeah. Dylan Watson and um, Max Waldbaum are on there for Jacksonville. Yes. Uh, so take uh, we'll take a little trip around college lacrosse. Uh, Jack Dowd, the Pontevedra alum, had a day for Salisbury yesterday. I saw you tweeted out. He had five goals at that point, but he he ended up with six. Mm-hmm. So. Amazing, absolutely amazing. He uh, here's his stat line: six goals, three assists, 
Not that, a bad not that, a bad start to the season. That is a pretty impressive day if you're asking me. 43% shooting, so he's not afraid to shoot. Shot 14 times, but when you're making six goals, and that was a uh, that's a nice win for uh, Salisbury because Roanoke's a pretty strong team. So excited to see uh, Jack Dowd picking up where he left off. He's a preseason first team All American. They throw a lot of guys on the honorable mention, but they only throw three I think three attackmen on the mm-hmm. first team. So. Uh, people know who Jack Dowd is. Yeah, and we expect to see Salisbury go deep into the playoffs again. I would assume, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll they'll be a favorite with our with RIT and a couple of those other schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, Guy Bistro down at Providence. He had a goal. Saint Leo. Um, well, I'm sorry, from Providence. From Providence at Saint Leo. Thank you. Uh, he had a goal and a loss. Saint Leo uh, lost their game, and then Ashton Wood. Uh, he's he's got two goals in two games. He's mm-hmm. a faceoff guy. Not dominating at the Yaks, and I know he's uh, been banged up a little bit, but uh, if he wins that ground ball forward, you better get your point man to stop him. Yes, he, he is definitely not a FOGO face-off, get-off. He is definitely a, an athlete and a lacrosse player. So, um, I, got a, I got a question uh, sent to me in regards to Dylan Watson. Uh, the, the commenter asked, what's going on with Dylan Watson? He doesn't seem to be getting involved in the offense, and I think – that's a good thing for Jacksonville because he's drawing so much attention. They are not sliding from him because if you slide from him, he's a catch-and-shoot sniper. Mm-hmm. So that's one defender who's not sliding, and maybe that's a reason that Galloway and Taylor and the rest of the middies, Reed Smith with his two goals, are opening up. That It's, it's a team offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you don't have to – with this offense, you have so many weapons that you don't have to rely on Dylan Watson to – carry that mantle uh but his his history in the game and how good he's played over the last several years at Georgetown coming in everybody's going to be hyper focused on him and that's what Max Walbaum uh, I think did for Jacksonville last year as everybody as everybody kind of learned about Max last year was they they started to hyper focus on him and that's when you saw Griner and Intrieri really step up and, and pour in the goals after that. Well, you get four long poles, you get three, typically three close defensemen and one LSM. So if you put those four attackmen out there, uh, are you going to most likely pull them all, right? Mm-hmm. And guess what? That's going to be Galloway and the rest of the gang, Taylor now and Reed Smith and Marshall McGuire. Mm-hmm. Uh, with an Ethan Lamond, you know, I, yeah. I expect him to have one of these five goal games, maybe even Saturday. You put short stick on Ethan Lamond and Galloway on the same mid midfield line. Uh, the middies are gonna, they're gonna have to slide to those well, and, guys. And that's why we saw after Galloway had those three goals, I, I think Coach Stanowski said, "All right, enough of this. We need to do something." And they put the LSM, and that's when Jack Taylor and Reed Smith inverted and took the two short stick D middies behind and. We're playing a two-man game, and Reed had two goals, and Jack Taylor had three goals. So that's that's five goals right there, just because. And that's your just because your long poles are so focused on certain players. When you think about that second midfield line, to get five goals out of your second midfield line in a game like that, with two for Reed and three for the freshman Taylor, mm-hmm. that is huge. Uh, it when when we talk about the local players, sometimes we uh, we don't talk as much about. Reed and Davis Smith because we talked about them on, in the JU front, but those mm-hmm. are two local kids that had a huge factor in, in that win yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. 
I mean, you're not really going to see Davis Smith too much on the stat sheet, but him going up against the, one of the best attacks in the, in the country and, and holding, you know, holding Duke to 12 goals is, is pretty impressive. So, Chris, uh, huge. This was a huge week for lacrosse here. You know, around the country, uh, there was a lot of upsets yesterday. Loyola John, over Maryland. Loyola. Huge. Nobody, nobody saw that coming. No. Uh, Hopkins over Georgetown was considered an upset. Maybe it wasn't. I mean, who's who's calling who the favorite? Yeah. It was Jacksonville over Duke an upset? According to DraftKings, it was. But mm-hmm. I don't think it was according to Coach Galloway and Grinelli and Przinsky and, you know, Danielle Delaroca. She, she uh, believed that they were going to win. I talked to her after the game. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't just saying that as a fan. She's a smart lacrosse player and administrator. And those those people believed. So the upsets are fun. Um Next week, Jacksonville at Marist. Midweek, St. Leah, or excuse me, Flagler at Tampa. Tampa. And then Flagler's back home on Saturday night. Great show, Chris. Great job today. I want to thank all of our sponsors. As we go out, we're going to be listening to a little bit of music by the Hoodoo Gurus. And we'll talk more and have some tickets to give out as we get towards that April 28th date. Thanks, Coach Galloway. Thanks, Brian Duncan. For Chris Milo, I am Ray Carnicelli. Have a great big game Sunday. They say, they say, love, you can make it You've been listening to the fastest game on two feet. This week in North Florida lacrosse on 1010XL 92.5 FM.